We're in our fourth week of a series we've simply called uh, Ebenezer. And uh, it is not any kind of, uh, have anything to do with Scrooge. Uh, we kind of threw that in there and made it, made you maybe think that for half a second. But this really is about the, what the word Ebenezer means and what that means in our lives. See, the Ebenezer's not was not a, a name chosen by Dickens. This actually goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And we have Samuel who creates this word on the spot in this, in this place of abundant thanksgiving for God's miraculous protection in the middle of a battle. They get blindsided and God protects them. And in the middle of this, they're on the other side and the wind is there and God had even fought on their behalf with some big hailstones and it was just pretty incredible deal. And, and so they take this stone and they stand it up as a monument, as a reminder to that. And Ebenezer is this two Hebrew words put together, Eben and Ezer. And Eben is a stone, a building stone. And Ezer is that is uh, to aid or to help. So we have a stone of help. And he pointed to all of Israel and pointed that stone and said, Thus far has the Lord helped us. Anytime you see this, remember that God's active helping us. This is a big deal. This is part of this, that he is active in our lives. And this holiday season, this is the biggest Ebenezer moment we in Christendom have, where we remember that God helped us that god sent his son he came and became proactive and it seemed like so many times he can feel so far away although he's not he's ever present and right as close as our very next breath but in a very tangible real get your mind around it kind of way he drew extra near to humanity and sent his son the at this time of the year if you've got your notes open we celebrate the greatest gift that humanity has ever received, Jesus. And God sent us his son to help us. Jesus is our Ebenezer, our stone of help. And we referenced this First Samuel verse already. And Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far has the Lord helped us. Now, with the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done, this, this holiday season, honestly, a lot of kind of man-made ideas have kind of slipped in to our picture when we even when we think back you, you throw santa claus out the window you get rid of the elves and you ditch all of that extra stuff and you get back to what why christmas exists and even that we get back to that that beautiful scene there with mary and joseph and the, and the baby boy and even a lot of those extra pieces maybe were kind of some of our ideas for it came out of some of our originated out of human experience on other fronts and we're about to address one of those because you can kind of you can experience one thing and think it's this is what it is but from the other end of it it actually was really really different now kiddos y'all that are normally in children's church y'all are y'all are celebrating and y'all are over there with with my youngest son carson right in the middle of kids church i'm gonna tell a story on you for all your friends i know merry christmas <laughs> and uh but <clears throat> our family loves to do uh six flags and theme parks and uh, some people hate that kind of stuff we enjoy it 
and go and do the rides and all of that stuff. And, and back when at the Dallas theme park, Six Flags, that's right, you know where I'm going. When uh, the, uh, the ride, I, I think they've even changed the name recently, uh, but it was Tony Hawk's Big Spin. Tony Hawk, if most of us know that he's a big skateboarder. And, and uh, they created a ride that would try to simulate going through a skate park with him. So it spins and goes up and does all this cool stuff. And you're in this little skateboard-looking thing. And you have the rails in the middle, and it spins. So you're kind of out over the track sometimes, and you're on the track and off the track. And Carson wanted to ride this ride. So he rode, and he's like, Daddy, I want to sit beside you. I said, no problem. Sit beside me. So he's beside me and got uh, two, two other people in the car with us, uh, friends or somebody. I don't remember who it was. And so as soon as the ride starts... There's a nice foam-padded lap belt right in front of him, right there where his hands are. Beautiful, beautiful place for him to grab. Instead, he reaches over and grabs my arm. And Carson has these, like, supernatural fingernail growth. And so I, I wanted to have him checked out as, like, a potential X-Man or something because <laughs> they grow like crazy. And we had not cut them. And he had these, his long fingernails, and he grabs my arm. And you do the thing. And so we go, and this ride starts. And Carson, I can't do it because I'm mic'd, and But he screams. I mean, a, 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 just a, a torture scream. Not a, not a 13-year-old girl acting like she's scared scream. I'm talking this, somebody is sawing his leg off scream. I mean, it was like, it was bad. Cutie is way far away. She's way far away, and she is hearing her baby boy. And she don't like roller coasters anyways. Screaming. She knows that's him. Everybody in line, everybody in the park is hearing this. It's just horrible. He is digging in. When we get off of this ride, he screams nonstop. We start the first dip. He digs in. He screams like that. I mean, it was just from his abs, just screaming digging his nails and when we get done i have a trickle of blood on my arm he literally broke skin and dug into my arm and we're sitting there coming up to where you stop all the workers they're ready they see us coming in and they're freaked out they think something bad's happening they're ready to console him they're ready to do whatever they're not getting the next word they're just watching and he's we stop and his fingernails are still in my arm and he goes that was awesome! <laughs> no, it wasn't. The, the, the workers busted up laughing. Everybody in line busted up laughing. I was like, son, that, 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 there could not be joy in that. There was just no way anybody interpreted that as pleasure or enjoyment. That was bad. And he loved, as soon as he realized he was going to live through it, it was great. It changed his perspective on it. But everybody else from the outside looking in interpreted it, his experience, totally, totally different. He absolutely loved it. Well, our nativity scene experience, it comes. And, you know, people just have their own experience, their stuff. We will, you know, it, it's... <clears throat> forever and ever and ever we've had a, an agrarian rural place and our nativity thoughts come from europe our picture of the standard nativity scene it comes it comes from europe and of course the bulk of europe is a nice forested place and lumber is plentiful 
and they have they have these nice little and they would have mangers they would have feed troughs and those feed troughs are made out of what is plentiful out of wood but as we're here looking at our stone of help as we're looking at it and i began to do some research and find out that in the palestinian area in the area of israel that guess what it looks like today it is there's not a bunch of lumber wood was pretty precious commodity They weren't wasting it on something that the animals were going to eat or drink out of. And I've got some pictures of what mangers from Jesus' day look like. That's one dates back to Jesus' day. They're made of stone. Limestone is a fairly soft, malleable stone. You can beat on it and hollow it out. And then guess what? Then it lasts and lasts and lasts. Let's see the next one. This one's actually in the plain there of, of what you understand as Armageddon, which is the, the, where the end times is going to hinge on. It's going to be the central place of it. And here's a stone manger that's there. And then we have a cute picture. The last one. There's a little, cute little kid inside this stone manger. But the truth is, the odds are the Bible doesn't call it stone any more than if I was to say that Jesus was to be found in a uh, against a curb or in a gutter when say a concrete curb or a concrete gutter yes they could be made out of some other things but it's just kind of a given in our day that it's going to be concrete well here when we look and we read this and we look at this thing we can't tell the christmas story in its reality without us dealing with a big chunk of stone that played this huge central piece of the story. We call it a manger. We call it a manger. Now, does it does this whether or not it's stone or wood have any big, huge theological significance? No, you don't got to go throw your manger scene that's got the little wooden dill and this is a lie. And go, no, it's. But the odds are it could have been made of wood. They 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 had wood, but odds are archaeologically everything speaking. That Jesus was laid in a stone trough. So as we read through this story. We're going to read through the entire Christmas story together. And comment as we go. We need to understand that. In fact if you look it up online. And you look up manger online. It says uh, a feed trough. And the first thing it says made of. Made of stone. Then wood. And then steel. This was this, this place. In fact even when you really begin to think about it that those almost looked, they were practical use. They are made for water and feed. They almost look like an altar. You just think on that for a minute. You just think on that for just a second. Let's open our Bibles and learn and, and look to Luke. And we're going to start at the very first verse of Luke 2 as we read one more time because it is so rich, the Christmas story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and and was expecting a child. 
And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. They wanted better, but there just wasn't space. There wasn't space. And so here, his first little place of rest, other than his mama's arms, because we know that she would have held him first, that when it came time for her to recoup and to have a little break and a little moment, that Jesus has laid down. And what odds are is this big slab of hollowed out stone. <clears throat> As we look to, forward in the story, we see that Jesus being in a manger was a sign to the shepherds that the Christ, the shepherd of Israel, had arrived. Our stone of help would lead us and to care for us. This whole thing of shepherd, we don't think about. We ought to in rural West Texas with, with sheep all around. We ought to have a good, better thought of this imagery, of this, uh, of this concept of the, of the, the shepherd and, and being taken care of and this leading and whatnot. But, but the people of Israel being shepherds, Folks, it played a huge, huge role in them even becoming a nation. One of the things is, is that when, uh, when Joseph had been sold into slavery into Egypt, that they did not hang out with him because he was a shepherd. And for whatever reason, I don't really know why, why the Egyptians despised shepherds. They hated them to the point that they wouldn't even eat with them. Even when we see Joseph towards the end of his story, when he is the prime minister of Egypt, the world power, there's a meal that takes place with some Egyptian officials and him and his brothers, and there's three different setups. Joseph all by himself because the other Egyptian officials would not eat with him, even though he was of high rank and esteemed by everyone. He was still from a family of shepherds. This plays a huge role, folks, because them being rejected. We talked about the very, very first week of this, that Jesus was the stone that builders would reject. All through the scriptures, we see, see God being talked about as the shepherd of Israel. Well, when Joseph brings his family because of the famine into Egypt, they get to settle in a really nice place called Goshen. It was well-watered and green. It doesn't look like what you think of as as Egypt with the, the pyramids and all that. It was a real, real lush place because it was for the, for the animals and they took care of the animals and, and they got to live there, but they were still despised. They were still despised and no one would do that. So here they live in a nation where everybody hates them for their occupation. But it ends up turning out to be this pretty cool thing because I have a feeling that back then that we got all these young Hebrew men, there were some probably some pretty fine-looking Hebrew, I mean, Egyptian girls. There just probably were. And they probably would have said, you know what? Uh, my family, I'm, I, I want to look outside my family. That, that Egyptian young lady, she's nice looking. But guess what? She wouldn't give him the time of day because he was a Hebrew. So guess what? It forced them to stay connected with each other. Their culture their worship of their God, everything. It didn't, the, the Egyptians' hatred for them did not allow it to intermingle and they grew to millions and eventually found themselves in slavery and they were hated 
and despised and rejected because of this shepherd thing. And that's all of a sudden how a nation came outside of a nation. It was based on hatred. That God used even that towards the good of the kingdom. Isn't that just amazing? We get here to Luke 2. That we have these shepherds that are carrying on the Israelite tradition. Of taking care of the flocks. Understanding what it means to be out in the elements and with it. Not over there and, and, and inside the house and, and taking care of business from a distance. They're right in the middle of everything. Warding off the animals. Making sure everything's taken care of. The shepherd mentality. Let's look at that. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now remember, these are, these are Hebrew, these are Jewish shepherds. They know the Torah, they know the scriptures, they know the prophecies, they know all these things. These aren't just ignorant hired hands out here. This is part of their, their fabric and their culture of life, is, is understanding the, the scriptures and, and worship. Said, but the angels, angel of the Lord said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and He is Christ. He is Messiah. He's the Savior. The Lord. This will be a sign to you when you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in manger there he is in bethlehem they all knew what that had to do with they all knew, understood that the messiah was coming out of that place we'll get to that in a minute and here they are told that that they're going to go find a baby the new king inside this chunk of stone inside this 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 ultimate help of israel this ultimate savior of Israel, they are laying in this chunk of stone. Nobody would normally go lay a baby in a feed trough. That's how they knew it was. There wasn't, you could go for hundreds of miles circles and you're not going to find another baby laying in a feed trough. You're just not going to do it. It's not going to go, oh, maybe we stumbled upon the wrong kid. Nope. Here's one laying in a feed trough. It's what the angel said. This is it. It was a sign to them Matthew 2 says when they had called together all the people's chief priests and this is this is there with uh, um, uh, with Herod and he'd ask where would the Christ be born where would the Savior the Messiah be born and boy they immediately respond in Bethlehem in Judea they replied for this is what the prophet has written but you Bethlehem in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Here, some guys that are close to where Jesus is going to come out, where Jesus is going to be born, Messiah is going to be born, out there shepherding. Anybody's going to understand the shepherd imagery any better, there, won't, there wouldn't exist another group of people that would understand any better. To so that shepherd for the whole nation of Israel, he's there laying in a feed trough. 
See, Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. This is something they knew by, they knew by heart. Ezekiel 34, <clears throat> 23, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them and <clears throat> he will tend them and be their shepherd. That here, Jesus, our stone of help, that he is here to lead us and to guide us and to take care of us. As we remember the little baby, as we remember the infant child, we need to remember what it means for us that we're going to be led and guided. As soon as we finish up with all this Christmas stuff in just a couple of days, our minds are going to be overwhelmed with the fact that a new year is approaching. For some, that's exciting. For some, it's intimidating. But for all of us, we should be reminded right here at the Christmas season before we step into there that he's going to lead us and guide us. Our future is not uncertain. We have a hope. We have someone. Our Savior. <clears throat> this manger filled with a Savior meant that God's favor was on mankind. I love it that here, there, we're about to read about it. We're about to read about the very first Christmas pageant ever. All of a sudden, all these angels show up singing and praising and declaring all of these awesome things. We see the very first Christmas rush ever. Where all of a sudden these guys take off in a hurry. Let's read about it. Luke 2. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another let's go to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has told us about so they hurried off and they found mary and joseph and the baby who was where laying in that chunk of stone laying in a manger that god's favor was there they were reminding the shepherds this is a big deal, and it's about God's favor. So many times people can get nervous when they say, oh my goodness, it's like being called into the principal's office or the boss's office. <clears throat> What'd I do? They're being told God's son showed up on earth. And your immediate response can be going, yikes, what did we do? What is he going to do? How bad is it God when he's got to send his son here? And there's like, it's not that. God's favor rests on mankind. This is a good thing. We talk all the time about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then we also have to understand this John three seventeen, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you're here this morning and some friend or family drug you to church and you're uncomfortable with church because you think about God and you think about condemnation and somebody beating you up and telling you you're, you're all, your life's all jacked up and all that, please see this scripture. Walk away with at least with this. This Christmas season is because he loves you and he did not come into the world to condemn you. The Holy Spirit is not here to condemn you. Please be willing to open up and listen to a God that loves you. That loves you. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. 
See, folks, this, <clears throat> this exciting news that we have a Savior, we should do three things with it. We should do three key things. And as we finish up reading the story, Luke two seventeen through 20, says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. To ponder means to think about, to meditate on, to really mull it over. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, which <clears throat> had just been told. Mary treasured and she thought about it. Folks, there in this season, I want you to really treasure it. Let's not rush through it. Let's treasure it. I challenge you to take some time to think about it. About this whole scene. About what it means. Kiddos, I know it's exciting to get the presents. But I want you, I'm going to give you a little Christmas assignment. Okay? All right, kids that are with us. I want you, whenever it's time to open gifts, I want you to pause. And hopefully you'll remember it. And I want you to just take time to tell your parents what, what the gift of Jesus really means to you. Can you do that for me? Can we do a little Christmas assignment together? Let's think about it. Let's treasure it. And then we see what the shepherds did. They went and told. Folks, this is the best news ever. This is the best news ever. God's not mad at us. It's his day of his favor. He sent his son to rescue us. He is our stone of help. We can build our lives on him. We we can turn to him always. See, folks, this is just the truth. Jesus is what matters. This is all 100% about Jesus. Jesus is what matters. And he's the most important decision any of us ever make. He's the most important decision any of us ever make. And we have the promise that those who believe on him, on our stone of help, we will not be put to shame. We won't. We'll be helped. We'll find that help in our time of need. He wants to be there in our time of need. I know in this time of the year, it comes with a lot of joy and it can come with a lot of stress. Some of you were elated to get up this morning and take your family to a a Christmas service and some of you drug out and just like, all right, we're going to do this. You got a lot on your mind and a lot on your plate and you need some help. Turn to God. He is our stone of help. We can turn to him. That's what he wants to be for us. That's who he is for us. And this starts, this starting gate. Again, I say it all the time. I love it, I love it, I love it that God made it to where this whole thing about Christianity isn't about living good enough to get into heaven and get our sins dealt with and, and earning all that. As we start, we start with all of that dealt with. That we recognize that we need a Savior and that Jesus is Him, that He died a death He didn't owe and that left an open account and we can say, my life deserves a death based on the dumb stuff I've done. And Jesus did a death and I placed mine on Him and it's legal and it's just and He covered it. And it's right. 
and we embrace it and we start and it's done it's dealt with and then we get to live this courageous life in god not trying to earn his attention and his affection but we live it because we have his attention and his affection it's a totally different thought process totally different it's god reaching to us it's him reaching out to us so folks let's start it let's let's take this this season he gave himself because he loves you maybe you need to give yourself to him today maybe that's what needs to happen so if you do let's just take a quiet moment i don't want anybody looking around and if you need to just to just do that right now Say, you gave yourself for me, and now I embrace that. And on this Christmas weekend, I give myself to you. If that's you, and you want to pray, I want you to just raise your hand up, and we're going to pray with you.